Hello everyone, this is Dr. Margaret Rogers Van Koops and you're listening to Journey into an Unknown World. And I'm going to spend this show talking about some of the little things that have happened to me in my life. The point of this is to say that a lot of people wow when I tell stories and say I should write a book and well, I haven't quite got time to write a book about the adventures of Margaret. But I thought that it might be interesting for you as a listener to hear some of the stories that, you know, I went through through my life. So here's an example that happened recently. Sad to say, Cat Chico, Siamese cat, passed over last September. And he passed gladly of old age and was very, very loyal to Dr. Steve. And at that point, I was in Japan, and I was in the tub. Japan, by the way, is 16 hours ahead of America where I live. And so I was feeling very much, this is the day that my husband may have to take him to the vet. And of course, the following day was when I heard the news that he had indeed taken him to the vet. Now, when I came home, I did not expect to see Chico running around the house, nor did my husband. Well, he didn't want to leave us, and so we were happy to let him stay around. We catch a glimmer of him out of the corner of our eyes often, until about a month ago. I'd been saying to him, you know, you can't stay here, Chico. You have to go to the spirit world. And he's like looking at me the way he did. And I would just say, well, you know, when you're ready, you'll go. Well, I was sitting outside my house late at night after a long day's work, just relaxing. Wind breezy a little bit, but just nice and warm. And suddenly I was aware that all the cats I'd ever owned that all were on the other side, were in front of me. And I was looking at them all and I was thinking, gosh, I've had that many cats. There was about 10 of them. I didn't actually count them. And they're all there, including Chico. And slowly they came up, rubbed against me, and one by one went off down the hill where my house is into a light orb and disappeared, leaving two of my cats and Chico. And it was only then that I realized something I'd long forgotten, that these two cats that had remained had actually known Chico when he was very young. And they'd come for him. They'd come to rescue him. And one of them, a white cat named Kiki, nuzzled him and pushed him towards the light, while the other one, Mia, just sat looking and then she slowly walked over towards the light and stopped and sat and looked back at me and uh, Kiki nudged him a bit more, pushed him forward and then he started to walk towards the light and both the cats that I'd had so long ago went into the light and Chico sat looking at the light and looking at me. And I said to him, go, go now. And he looked again at me, and then he scampered off into the light. 
Now, isn't that wonderful how other cats can come back and rescue earthbound cats? I tried to actually take him into spirit world several times myself, but he never wanted to come with me. He'd always stay behind. Yes, animals have a will as much as we do. And in the same way, I want to talk about a human. There's a gentleman a long time ago that had AIDS. And I'd been asked to come and do some crystal work to help him prepare for passing on into the spirit world. And his lover was with him. And it was a very sad moment for him. And so when I walked into the room, I said to the man that was ill with AIDS, I will do what I can for you. And I talked to him about the spirit world and what it was like for a little bit. And then I said to him, you don't have to do anything. Just relax and I'll take you into a sort of twilight state with the crystals. And then when I've done that, you can go home and be with your boyfriend and you'll be happy. So I did the crystal work, crystal acupuncture and the pterogram therapy on him while at the same time he was drifting off to sleep so it seemed I knew he was in a state of spiritual hypnosis. So I talked to him spirit to spirit, in other words mentally to mentally. And I said to him, the spirit world is a beautiful place, whatever you think of it's there for you. I have a beautiful spirit guide who waits for me in a wonderful garden and whenever I arrive there he always makes me ring the bells. There were seven bells for seven chakras and they were Tibetan bells and I often went there whenever I was sad as a child. So I told him this story spirit to spirit. When the treatment was finished I didn't say anything other than, hey, you know, wake up, wake up, David. And he woke up and he opened his eyes and he looked at me and he said, your aura is like a sunset. I can see it. It's all red and orange and there's lavender in it and went on. And he was really telling me what my aura looked like and how big it was and stuff. And then he said, are you going to be there when I get there because I want to hear you ring the seven bells? And I said to him, yes, if you like, I'll be there. Well, that night he went home and later the next day, his partner called me to tell me he'd passed on at night. And I said, yes, I know we rung the seven bells and the partner said you know it's really strange I only have one bell in my house but after he died it kept tinkling yes the oneness can make things move in your house to let you know that they're there so anytime you feel lonely you've only got to ask spirit and they'll respond but remember, if you're negative, like attracts like in the mirror image, and you just might attract an earthbound spirit. What is an earthbound spirit? Well, I'll tell you after I tell you 
about one more of my books. A long time ago I wrote Pro-Life, Pro-Choice, Pro-Spirit. I wrote it because everyone was saying so many bad things about abortions and so on. And the ultimate thing was that I already knew that there is no judgment about abortion. And of course, I believe that every woman should be the boss of her own body and the things that she wants to do with it. I may not agree with all those things, like putting earrings in my lip, but that's someone's choice. So, I was writing that book, and when I was writing that book, I had to write another story in there. I was out of body and I was in the spirit world and I was listening to Master Chang giving a lecture in one of the halls of learning. And he told us all that there was a particular man who should not be worried about because he was in a mood, he was angry, he'd been drinking and things weren't going well and that we should all remember there is a good side and that there is a lesson here. Well, when I came back and I woke up, I didn't really expect much. And of course, I didn't write this part in the book. But what happened the next night was very interesting. Out of the blue, I got a client who was drinking a lot, who was in a marriage scenario just like the one that I'd been listening to the lecture about who was very worried about his daughter. It ended up that we were counseling all three members of the family, mom, dad, and child, in learning how to communicate, not mouth to mouth, but eye to eye, not noise to noise, but spirit to spirit, heart to heart. In this way, we were able to reach these people and to help them sense that they'd allowed all the garbage of the everyday world to flow over them and drown them in negativity. By teaching them to open their eyes and see the beauty of the world, to see the beauty in everyone even if they're drinking, to see and understand how everything that we do is in some way a lesson for someone else. So if you're sitting with someone who's drinking right now and you wish they didn't, stop and ask yourself instead, what are you learning watching them? What are you appreciating more about yourself watching them? How are you going to take what you're learning right now and use it in a better way for you tomorrow. Well, yet again, I want to say, if you need a reading or counseling, you know, all you have to do is write to me, Dr. Margaret, RVC, that's for Rogers Bankoops, Dr. Margaret, RVC at gmail.com and we'll communicate about what you need and we'll go from there. I think it's appropriate here to say, you know, I have to be adaptable with so many people that connect with me around the world 
that have different monies and different values on money and so on around the world. So I am very flexible about how much time you spend with me relative to your country, your issue and so on. And I do have a variety of packages that I put together for individuals because everyone is very individual. So no two people are the same. So I cannot be dealing with the same thing over and over again. And I recently, here's another story, was going somewhere, won't say where, where I was listening to that person saying the same lecture I'd heard the year before and the same lecture I'd heard before the year of that and so on going back. And it was my fifth time of listening to the same stuff. And I realized that this person had not learned not evolved. They got stuck in the same habit with the same jokes even and doing the same way of teaching to the point that everyone was bored. Now my point of that is yet again I want to say here is another story where I met a lady who had recovered from some childish illness not sure, I can't remember what, where uh, she had lost uh, the use of her eye and something to do with meningitis, I think now I recall. Uh, lost something to do with her eye, so she was blind in one eye and some of the movement to do with her brain. And as a result of looking at her, you would say, oh, she's going to be a helpless cripple for the rest of her life. Well, she wasn't. She was out and about. She would enter races in her homemade kind of scooter thing. This is years ago, by the way. She had learned to knit by holding w one end of the knitting needle under her arm while she used the, r the right arm, because she was right-handed, uh, to do the actual knitting and turning things around. And there were many things she could do. And the more I discovered that what she could do, the more amazed I was of just how much of a lesson I was learning about what I was not doing that I could be doing because she was like a model to me that if she could do it with a you know a malady then surely I could do it with a hundred percent a physical body being okay so throughout my life I've met those challenges and pretty well without bragging here I want to say that I've put myself in every kind of situation that I possibly can find rather than run away from it I've even walked into dangerous areas to see how I would deal and cope with situations here's an example of being in danger I literally I was in India and I wanted to give some money to the head woman of the little clan that were living in next to nothing where a bunch of kids were running around like wild things. And if you know anything about India, if you've got any money or anything, it's going to be lifted off you. So I made sure that I had nothing in my pockets, but I had my purse above my head, high up, stretched as high as I could. And here are seven, eight-year-olds jumping, jumping, trying to snatch my purse. And I'm saying, where 
is the woman in charge. And finally she heard me and came out and one word from her and all these kids scattered. And I went up to her and I said, I've had a good day and here is some money for you to go out and buy the children food. And she looked into my eyes and she said, I was waiting for you. You came in a vision. And I said, well, here I am in reality. And she said, she took my hand and she said, you are a great lady and you will do many things. Well, at that time I just recovered a couple of years previous from a breakdown, clinical death, and, you know, come through all that judgment and all that stuff. And I was on in my new cycle, into my new area. And I looked at her and I thought, gosh, I've done so much stuff already. And I said to her, well, I know I'm going to be doing new things. And she just said, thank you, and walked away. Well, I have to tell you that I had no idea about computers in those days. I had no idea about videos. I had no idea about making radio shows. I had no sense of being able to write a book. I had no idea that I was going to own a house and completely decorate it inside and out in the style that I would like to make the home that I would like with my husband and so on. And all my abilities have been used and added to and I have evolved so much from that time. And I want to say big thanks here to every single client, every single student who has come into my life to allow me to awaken to this greater me that I had no idea I was. And I want to throw that out to you and say, you too can do that. See me as a model. You know, you're in this down period now. You're in this I don't know what to do next period. You're in this void that I was talking about on my previous show where you're waiting for something to cross your pathway. You're waiting for a new direction. You're open and ready for something new. And if you're at your wit's end, this is a time to just fudge out and just say, I'm waiting, and ask the oneness to bring you your next connection. That's very important to ask, because if you don't ask, you don't get. And that was drilled into me when I was a very little child. So guess who was always asking, can I get some candy? Can I get some licorice? They were my favorite. And guess who was always being told, if you're a good girl, tomorrow. <laughs> it seemed like tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow before I finally got a piece of licorice. Yes, back in those war-torn days, there wasn't much licorice or anything else, so everything was rationed. You know, when you come through a war scenario and let's now think about all those poor children in the Middle East and all the death they're seeing and all the noises and the bombs and you know it is appalling isn't it just as it was appalling for me as a young child 
to be taken out onto the streets to see ambulances and dead bodies being put, you know, and taken away, even though my mother was trying to protect me from such sights. I know I saw them. And, you know, when peace comes, when unity comes, there is an awakening. It's almost like a shock that it's finally ended. And now what is next? I don't know. I'm kind of scared. I was used to the bombs going off every night. I was used to seeing dead people around and about. Now I was seeing them spiritually in my room. Yes, spirit guides were always bringing me the hurt, the miserable, the dying, the dead, and I healed them from as soon as I was born. And it's not something I want to change. So I say to you yet again, if you're in need of healing, if you've got some really serious illness or disease, don't give up because there can always be some absent healing. There can always be um, something done by your spirit guides. There can always be sudden out of the blue uh, happenings that save you. And here's a little story about my father. During World War II, he had a feeling that he shouldn't go out and Skype, scout around. But nevertheless, being a, a major in the army, he had to go look. And so he went up to this rise to look over the edge uh, with his sergeant. And um, as he got to the top, some sharpshooter or bomb or something, not quite sure which, uh, hit his head and he had shrapnel in his head, so I guess it must have been some sort of bomb. And the next thing my father knew was he came to in a make-do tent with the padre saying the last rites over my father and the doctor saying, this one is a goner. And uh, at that moment, they, of course, had many other wounded men, they were about to leave the tent when a surgeon came into the tent and said, we have a head injury here, do we not? And, and you know, very full uh, voice of authority kind of thing. And saw my father and said, okay, we're going to save this man. It turned out that he had just arrived on the front and he was a brain surgeon. And they saved my father's brain and saved his head. And I got to get a bald head daddy. And it was a big family joke for a very long time. Dad used to take my hair and kind of from my ponytail and put it over his head and say, see, that's what I look like with hair, and we'd all laugh and joke. And he taught me by knowing that story that, number one, when you least expect it, if you're meant to live or to get better, help is there. You must look for it or you must believe that you will have it and it will come to you. And the second thing that I learned was to laugh even in the serious scenario because there's always a little something that you can see funny. Uh, here's another story. I saw someone yelling and screaming at their kid at the same time telling them you need to get out of the house and leave and go away and so on. I don't want you anymore. You're too much of a nuisance while holding on to the crutch for dear life. So were they officially bossy or were they looking like a frightened cat yelling their face off? Well, of course, you know what I saw. 
a very terrified person who was out of control, who could not get anyone to do what he wanted them to do, and so was holding on to his private parts. Why? Because he did that when he was a child, when he didn't know what to do. Body language. Always look at people. Look at them to see what they're showing you and the way they gesture with their hands or the way they nod their head to listen. And of course remember that different cultures have different ways of acknowledging you. So for example, when I'm in Japan, everyone bows when they see me and I bow back and then we all go mad and start screaming like, ah, it's you again. So, uh, you know, th that's part of the fun of being in another country. So what I would like to suggest to you is that you take a look at all the 10 books that I've written, including one is a novel, uh, a whodunit novel, kind of Agatha Christie kind of thing. And you might have fun with that. But uh, if you take a look at all my metaphysical books and booklets, you're going to find a lot of help is in those books, but also a lot of my stories, like I've been telling you tonight. And it is tonight while I'm recording it. And you know, whatever it is, I'm sure the stories in each of the books brings a point home about how you can see yourself and help yourself in some way to achieve a better style of life for yourself, to emotionally open up and enjoy every moment, every day of your life, instead of waking up with, oh, I can hardly get out of bed, I don't know what to do with my life. And here's another story that really brought that point home to me. When I was 16, I had already made up my mind I was going to be a nurse or a doctor, so I enrolled in the local hospital called the Home and Hospital for the Incurables. Can you believe that title? Yes, and it still exists today in England. And so I enrolled to do the nursing course there for nursing the elderly. And two events blew my mind away. The first was there was a very big woman lying flat on her back in uh, her own room and she filled the bed. She was enormous. And I went up to her and I said to her, um, how can I help you? Because I was a skinny little thing and I didn't really know what I could do too much and I was pretty damn new on, on the show. Uh, I mean, sorry, not the show, <laughs> on the ward. And she looked at me and she said, oh, you're going to make a good nurse. And I said, well, thank you. How do you know that? I've just started. <laughs> and she said, I can tell by the way you express yourself and the way you're very keen to learn new information by asking me about me. Most of the people who come in here don't ask a thing. They just wash me down and leave me. So I then said to her, well, I've been asked to wash you down and I would like you to tell me how you would like me to wash you down. And she told me. And as I was washing her, she started to teach me. And yes, I found out she'd been a matron of a hospital and that she had been hit by a car and had broken her neck and was paralyzed from 
just she could breathe on her own, but she was paralyzed from, I think it was about the sixth cervical down. Okay, so um, she could not move her body, uh, and she spent her life on her back. Nobody bothered to turn her over. And so I asked her, how do I wash your back? And she said, do you really want to try? And I said, yes, because you need to be clean there. So she said, if you can roll me over, I'll stay on my side. So I started to try and roll her over and I realized I needed help. So I went and got another nurse who was moaning and groaning about something. And I said to her, I want you to help me roll this lady over onto her side so I can wash her back. Well, she took one look and she said, I can't lift her. And I said, no, we're not going to lift her. We're going to roll her. We're going to use our weight to roll her. Well, we did. We rolled her over. And guess what? She had several bed sores. At that point, I asked her, what did she want me to do with her? Because after all, she'd been a matron and she'd known she got these bed sores. She said, just leave them. It'll help me pass over quickly when they get infected and gangrenous. Well, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to clean them out and wash them out and treat them. And she looked at me with big eyes and she said, please, don't heal me go heal the person in the room next door. So begrudgingly I let go, rolled her back after having washed her, washed around it, did a bit of cleaning, but you know, generally didn't do the things I'd like to have done. And covered her up and she said thank you. And I went into the room next door and here was an even bigger shock. There was a cradle over the woman, I could see her head and I was to bath her. And when I took the bedclothes off and the cradle off, I found that she was in the position of hugging her knees. I asked her, could I straighten her out? And she said, no. And I said, what do you mean no? She said, I'm stuck like this. I asked her why she was stuck like it. She told me that her building had been bombed during the war and that she had survived in that position for two weeks with broken bones and starving to death before they found her. When they found her, they brought her to a hospital where they decided that they could not straighten her body. I wondered why not. That was her story. So she stayed in the crouched position all her life. She couldn't stand. She couldn't sit in a chair. She couldn't do anything lie on her back. I asked her how did she feel being that she was like that. She said, oh I've long given up on life. I just lie here and dream. Well I couldn't do much for her. I washed in between the parts I could and I realized there were lots of sores within her body too or hard skin like an elephant. I walked away and I said to my spirit guides, why Am I having this kind of day? And they said simply, so you will appreciate your own body and never abuse it, misuse it, take care of it, love it, honor it, and respect it.
and I have. And I'm passing that message on to you. Take care of your body. Love it, honor it, respect it, and do as much as you can in it. For once you've used it up, your spirit will leave and you'll pass back into the spirit world until it's time again for you to reincarnate. But that'll be another story, won't it? And by the way, there is a show on reincarnation. And once again, if you'd like me to read you or heal you, write to me, drmargaretrvc at gmail.com. And if you'd like any of my books or any of my kits, go to www.sumariscenter.com. You'll see that listed below on my page on Web Talk Radio. And a reminder, click on the iTunes, go to my page on iTunes and download all my shows. They're free. They're podcasts. So until you hear me again, be well, be safe, be happy.